Welcome to the Hindu's Parley podcast. I am Kalul Bhattacharji, your host for this episode. The war in Ukraine has changed the fundamental principles of the international order over the past seven months, along with principles like territorial sovereignty and integrity of the member states of the United Nations. Even relations among major powers are also in focus. One of the major points in this war has been India's neutrality, which is perceived to have benefited Russia, the aggressor in this case. However, Russia is also benefiting from China, which has been caught in a major border skirmish since at least the Galwan crisis of June 2020. Is Russia's relation with China serving India's interests? To discuss various dimensions related to this question, we have today with us two illustrious panelists, Professor Anuradha Chenoy, who has taught in the Jawaharlal University and is known for her expertise of the Russian affairs, and Ambassador Ashok Kanta, who has served as India's ambassador to Beijing and is currently working as the director of the Institute of Chinese Studies. Welcome to the Pali Ambassador Kanta and Professor Chenoy. I would begin by asking, has the Ukraine crisis brought Russia close to China? And what has been the impact of this growing proximity between Moscow and Beijing on New Delhi? Professor Chenoy, would you like to jump in first? Yes. Uh, well, I would argue that uh, Russia's and China's proximity to each other is not new. It's not that the Ukraine war has suddenly brought them together. This uh, has been going on since uh, actually the end of the Cold War in different ways. Ever since uh, this, actually, Soviet Union and China made up their differences, uh, you know, resolved the, the border conflict, etc. Since then, but now it has reached a great peak. This is I can accept that argument, but that peak also has come gradually, and it is linked to their uh, combined Russian exports of uh, defense equipment, of energy. Uh, their understanding on a multipolar world, their interest in uh, the geopolitics, their, their gains from globalization. So several things and also from uh, the rise, especially again, of uh, this uh, American paranoia and phobia about China. If you see the American documents, uh, the last uh, several years, they've all been focusing that China is a threat, that this competition cannot be resolved, and this has continued. So there are many reasons, and it's not new, but it has increased, and I think it's a pretty irreversible. Ambassador Kanta. I agree with uh, Professor Chinoy that the you know closer relationship between china and russia uh, is not a new phenomenon uh, this is something which started much earlier uh, beginning with you know the two countries resolving uh, their border issues one saw strategic linkages between china and russia being uh, upgraded uh, following uh, uh, russia's annexation of ukraine in 2014 when it they came under a greater pressure from the USA and other Western countries. In fact, I was at that time India's ambassador to China, and one could see firsthand how the Russian attitude towards working together with China in certain sensitive sectors where it was less forthcoming earlier changed. For instance, supply of you know sophisticated defense systems like S-400 
और सुखोई थर्टी फाइव एयरक्राफ्ट और नो एकोमोडेटिंग चाइना ऑन बेल्ट एंड रोड इनिशिएटिव और नो एक्सेप्टिंग अ ग्रेटर रोल फॉर चाइना इन सेंट्रल एशिया ऑल दीज डेवलपमेंट्स टूक प्लेस एटलीस्ट पार्टली एज रिजल्ट ऑफ द फैक्ट दैट रशिया नीडेड चाइना मोर एट एट दैट पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम एंड दिस ट्रेंड हेज कॉन्टिन्यूड यू वुड रिकॉल दैट द जॉइंट स्टेटमेंट ऑफ फोर्थ फेबररी ट्वेंटी ट्वेंटी टू बिटवीन प्रेजिडेंट Ukraine and it talked about a partnership without limits, uh, no forbidden areas of uh, cooperation. Yet uh, uh, there is no doubt about the fact that uh, after Russian uh, so-called military operation, special military operation, Ukraine uh, strategic uh, collaboration between uh, Russia and China has increased. Uh, Russia is more dependent on on China today as it has been. Uh, subjected to a fairly intense you know uh, sanctions and other measures by the west and china also while it has not quite uh, you know endorsed a russian invasion of ukraine it has uh, uh, professed to take a position neutrality uh, it has been uh, supportive in many ways of russian action uh, including by accepting the russian uh, narrative on uh, usa and the west are uh, being uh, the primary cause for what's happening uh, in europe today uh, through various actions like eastward expansion of nato i think that narrative is being promoted by china both externally and and internally so on the whole you know chinese have been supportive of russia and this has led to greater russian dependence on china which of course has implications for us Professor Chenor I would ask you uh, what has been the role of the quadrilateral initiative um, involving United States Japan Australia and India in in creating some sort of a dynamic between uh, you know Russia and China because um, these two countries are appearing to be opposed to anything to do with quad whereas India has invested heavily in quad so do you think quad is the reason for bringing them closer or quad is a response to uh, this growing proximity no number one i think uh, india of course has invested in quad but quad is not a military alliance it's focusing on technology trade you know of course maritime security but i think india has been very careful uh, to make sure that it's not part of any military alliance either from any side you know whether russia china the us etc and i think russia has understood that india would engage with other countries of the west it has harmonious relations and i think uh, ambassador kantha would note that even uh, chinese scholars that i've read have said that india has a harmonious more harmonious relations with the west which uh, china really no longer does in in the same way uh, so uh, but but you know you see china also tried to have very close relations with the west they were willing to be accommodated i believe as a g2 but the west has actually rejected them and so now both russia and china know that there is uh, for russia of course there is a complete divorce from the west so both russia and china are looking to the global south of which india is important and in fact i mean i don't know if ambassador kantha would uh, uh link this but i think the recent a very small but nonetheless significant bilateral withdrawal from one point in galwan 
might have something to do with this. China seems to be uh, blinking and recognizing that India is capable of being neutral, is an important partner, it can be a loyal partner, etc. Of course, it has a very long way to go. But um, I don't think China can afford to alienate India any any longer, given the kind of polarization in world politics that's happening. Ambassador Kantha, please. You know, uh, uh, Kalol, uh, when it comes to you know, India's uh, position on Ukraine, uh, as you know, we have taken uh, a balanced and nuanced position uh, in the court setting also. We have not quite gone along with other three you know, quad partners. Uh, you'd recall that uh, in the summit in Tokyo in May, we took a different position uh, on, on the Russian uh, invasion of uh, Ukraine. Uh, but uh, on a whole lot of other issues, uh, including uh, you know, China's assertive behavior in South China Sea, East China Sea and elsewhere, uh, we were on the same page uh, with other quad partners. So a uh, quad uh, in a way, reflects you know the complex uh, geopolitical realities we have today. Uh, it's not uh, a cause of greater strategic confrontation uh, between uh, USA on one side and China and Russia on, on the other hand. But Chinese anxieties about Quad, uh, as also Russian apprehensions about Quad, uh, have been there for quite some time. They have become uh, stronger today. Commenting on uh, Professor Chinois, uh, you know point about uh, if uh, uh, China is blinking uh, uh, because of its desire not to to alienate India beyond a point. Uh, my own uh, assessment is that uh, uh, today, you know, China is willing to make some tactical adjustment uh, in the strategic literature uh, emanating from China. You know, positive noises are made about uh, India's strategic autonomy. India pursuing uh, an independent foreign policy, uh, which is evident in, in, in case of our handling of the Ukraine situation. But uh, I don't see any fundamental shift in uh, China's position on China's assessment in respect of uh, our relationship with the USA in particular and West in general. Uh, they would like to utilize the uh, the Ukraine issue and our relatively nuanced and balanced position on it uh, to drive a wedge between us and the USA and West. Uh, but it's not willing to accommodate uh, in any substantive manner our uh, you know, fundamental concerns, uh, whether it be with regard to situation along India-China borders uh, or you know, um, our shared periphery or a whole lot of other structural challenges that we have between India and China. So I don't really see any significant or substantive or fundamental shift in Chinese position in the wake of Ukraine crisis. Ambassador Kantha, I would urge you to address the issue that on the one hand, India um, goes ahead with uh, all the multilateral arrangements that it has with China as well as Russia, um, like BRICS and SCO. And when you compare these arrangements with uh, the emerging arrangements, say Quad, again, Quad, as you pointed out, uh, both of you, uh, that this is not a military arrangement. Uh, still, I mean, to what extent have these, uh, these Russia-China-centric multilaterals really helped India, especially deal with the border crisis, for example? 
you know, we have differentiated uh, between uh, our bilateral engagement with China and our engagement with China in a uh, plurilateral setting, uh, including uh, in uh, you know, fora like uh, SCO, BRICS and G20. We have made it clear to China that the state of bilateral relations will be governed by state of borders. So unless there is restoration of peace and tranquility in broader areas, we cannot return to normal track in our dealings with China. And, you know, we are far from that. Even though uh, there has been uh, some progress uh, along uh, some of the so-called friction points, uh, uh, situation along the border is highly abnormal. Uh, what we have today uh, since uh, early 2020, very high level of uh, deployment to troops from both sides. Uh, and, you know, a situation of uh, of uh, their deployment in close proximity, which is uh, you know destabilizing, which is not uh, desirable at all, and we don't see you know China uh, showing any desire to return to status quo ante. In fact, uh, after uh, the last round of uh, disengagement uh, uh, along uh, PP15, uh, the spokesperson Chinese Foreign Office stated categorically that. Uh, there will not be any restoration status quo ante as of April 2020. So we have a fundamental, you know, uh, difference with China on that issue. But you know, coming to you know um, uh, our uh, engagement with China and Russia in uh, in settings like SEO and and BRICS, uh, uh, this is something we have maintained. In fact, we have even held uh, uh, joint exercises. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, Vostok uh, exercise that we did. Uh, uh, to what extent, you know, these uh, arrangements are effective? I have my own doubts. Uh, uh, SEO and BRICS are relatively uh, limited organization. Uh, 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 strategic gains that we that accrue from our participation in these, uh, you know, uh, fora uh, are again, you know, uh, somewhat. Uh, modest. Uh, they're not quite uh, comparable to our participation in Quad, for instance, which is uh, far more strategic in character. Uh, but, you know, we are going to host uh, uh, SEO Summit next year. We are going to host uh, G20 Summit next year. So clearly, we will remain engaged with China in these uh, arrangements. Uh, Ambassador Chinoy, let me rephrase the question for you here. I mean, uh, to what extent has India benefited from um, the the Russia China centric multilaterals in comparison to other broader multilaterals, say G20 and even the emerging one that's uh, Quad. Look, I think um, it's a function of a sophisticated foreign policy, as uh, Ambassador Kantha explained, to be able to distinguish between bilateral engagement and multilateral engagement, and we hope the West can do that, and they attend G20 because they're not on talking terms. Um, you know, with Russia. So I think the, the India is a good model for this. Uh, and the other thing is that SEO and BRICS are primarily, SEO, for example, is a regional kind of organization focusing on talks on energy, trade, um, linkages, etc. It's an opportunity for the leaders to meet on these multiple non-traditional security issues. BRICS came up because 
the major multilateral organizations uh, like the WTO, IMF, the economic uh, organizations have not given the kind of space that they should shoot to the emerging countries or to the global south for that matter. Global south, of course, they won't, but at least to the emerging countries who contribute a great deal to the global economy. So China, for example, contributes, according to the World Bank's own figures, 30% to the global economy in the last uh, few years. So these are different fora and they don't have a strategic intent. So I think they're actually quite non-comparable. BRICS is important for economic issues, as you can see, in terms of currency, trade, developing, um, putting up the infrastructure, banks, uh, the new development bank, etc. So those are the issues which come on its agenda. And India has tried quite consistently not to make that a platform for either an anti-West It's stuck to the agenda that was outlined, and I think it has been effective. So G20, you know, has the G7 and the BRICS, in a sense. Uh, And India is able to operate uh, and I think also become a bridge between these formations. There are these these comments these days in the media about uh, how India has uh, moved away from Russia or um, India has decoupled from Russia. Do you think these assessments and these uh, commentaries are are a bit uh, premature? Ambassador Kanta. No, I I don't think we have uh, moved away from Russia. Is India hinting a growing impatience with Russia's uh, uh, continued war and and all the allied um, impacts that r- rather you know, the impacts of the war you know whether it is the commodities crisis the, the, the collapse of the multilaterals as well as the energy crisis is India hinting at and then I mean the latest conversation between Mr Modi and Mr Zelensky the nuclear blackmail issue which has come up do you think India is hinting some sort of impatience with Russia? I know there there is uh, no doubt about the fact that uh, there is uh, a discomfort with uh, both uh, you know, Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine and the fall, fallout of Russian actions, uh, uh, which has uh, you know hurt our interests in many ways. You no, know. uh, for instance, uh, the economic fallout, you no know, high fuel prices, uh, uh, difficulties uh, in accessing uh, uh, fertilizer. Or, or you know, disruption of uh, gl- global uh, uh, supply chains. In many ways, you know, global South uh, uh, has suffered badly, uh, and we are part of that. So we have also suffered. Uh, secondly, you know, uh, it has uh, created uh, a rather you know challenging situation for us uh, uh, because on on one side uh, we value our relationship with Russia, uh, its relationship. Uh, which is strategic in character. Uh, there are practical aspects like you know uh, procurement of uh, arms and spare parts from Russia, but also you know there is a legacy aspect uh, uh, to our relationship with Russia. So this is not uh, something uh, we are going to jettison in a hurry. On at the, at the same time, uh, fact remains that uh, uh, as a result of Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, uh, there have been changes in geopolitical situation uh, which are not very favorable for us. Uh, uh, for instance, you know, closer alignment between uh, China and Russia 
or, or you know, expectation in the USA, EU and other Western countries that we will take a more forthright and less ambivalent position in respect of Russian actions or, you know, our deep discomfort about the implicit or more than implicit threat by President Putin about the deployment of nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Uh, that's something which goes against our basic policy that, you know, nuclear weapons, they should not be used and there should not be any of use of nuclear weapon. So, so many different ways, you know, whether it's economic fallout or geopolitical fallout or, you know, implications in terms of uh, our nuclear policy, uh, Russia has created a situation for us uh, which is not at all comfortable. So we have to do, uh, you know, careful uh, balancing of our interests, our relationships uh, with Russia on one side and with USA and other partner countries on the other hand, other side. Yeah, I agree broadly uh, that uh, there is uh, clearly discomfort and uh, there has been uh, fairly astute uh, balancing because uh, there has been also small gains in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, Russia has been providing much larger amounts of uh, energy at, um, at discount rates. And uh, as uh, the our EAM, uh, the External Affairs Minister said, that um, of course our uh, imports of Russian energy have have gone up substantially from less than one percent to almost seven percent of our needs in the last uh, few months. Uh, and the other thing is, um, you you saw when our uh, foreign minister went to the U.S. there, he didn't have you know these talks with Blinken and the fact of um, as usual they're giving these supersonic kind of fighter planes to Pakistan came up. And I think uh, Jayashankar was quite forthright in uh, saying that there is, uh, uh, you know, this issue uh, with uh, the US uh, that continues. So India continues to balance and they know that the US also kind of balances between Pakistan and India. So they don't privilege their relations with India and they're not likely to in the near future uh, either. So it's the legacy, it's the understanding. And the other thing is, um, you, you mentioned uh, the PM's uh, telephone call with uh, Zelensky, in which uh, the PM said that, it, uh, you know, India would be happy to help if there could be a negotiated solution. But Zelensky in the readout uh, rejected it and said he was not willing to talk to Putin. So I think India also understands the quagmire in this situation, uh, the, what NATO is doing. And because we have direct contact with the Russian uh, leadership. So, of course, we have to watch. But uh, I think so far the stance has been fairly good. The war has lingered on for more than seven months. And the world has also uh, also evolved in the meantime. The structures are collapsing and new structures are coming up. What really lies ahead for these three major powers, that's Russia, China, and India? I mean, I would uh, request both of you to, to sort of do a bit of crystal gazing before we come to the conclusion of the podcast. Well, uh, number one, I think there will be no Russia, India, China, you know, kind of trilateral. That never took off. Russia can still put pressure on the border issues on behalf of India, as it has done earlier. 
because while uh, you know the western media says russia will become a client state uh, that's not so uh, there there's a lot of symmetry between their needs uh, whether it's technology defense energy uh, uh, an aggressive um, japan vis-a-vis -vis china not vis-a-vis -vis us uh, the indo pacific etc uh so uh, i think uh, there is a lot of scope for india's development because of the position it's taken where they are open to both sides they would like this selective deglobalization and uh, you know uh, secretary um, yellen of the us uh, their trade uh, secretary she said trade with allies now earlier there used to be uh trade follows flag but now it's is like their policy is trade follow friend so maybe india will gain from that uh, and from the transfer because uh, china is clearly something that they uh, the west is decoupling with with but india is not uh, india continues to be on their radar as uh, one of the most important countries of the south that they need to engage with and there's a, there is a lot of pressure and attempts by the west to wean india away from this alliance but i think that india will stick to this if it stuck to this in the worst time of this war where there was so much pressure surely when there are negotiations or whatever the outcome is and um, i hope there's no uh, nothing nuclear because that that is completely uh, unacceptable to the entire world and it's also unlikely uh so uh, I, i think india is on a okay wicket so far and their relations with russia will continue russia has seen it as a very reliable partner they're going to open up much more and in the meantime that instec the north south transport corridor uh, which goes through three sanctioned countries russia iran and syria that has also seen some movement of goods even at the time of this war so uh, and india has put in a lot of um, money into these uh, you know into the siberian gas fields etc so i i don't see anything negative as far as russia and india is concerned with china i would go that we have to wait and keep putting pressure to resolve the border issues and can't say uh, i don't think china will want uh, any kind of uh, you know kind of up the scale or escalation at at this point when they are under pressure from from the west yeah but uh, china may not uh, seek uh, to up the ante with india as as of now beyond a certain point as you pointed out professor chinoy but um, ambassador kanta i would urge you to look at the taiwanese angle as well um, when we look at the future scenario emerging between india russia as and china you know uh, first uh, you know uh, i'm inclined to agree with uh, professor chinoy uh, that Uh, the assessment in the west uh, that russia uh, has become a client state or vassal state uh, of china is little exaggerated uh, russia is a country with a sense of history and destiny uh, so it will it will continue to insist on its agency in international affairs at the same time fact remains that Uh, because of conjunction of several circumstances uh, including pressure from the west uh, the fact that 
the Russian role uh, in Europe uh, or you know, Russia playing an important part in uh, the emerging European security architecture is no longer acceptable uh, to the USA and uh, uh, European countries. Uh, I think uh, Russia will become increasingly dependent on, on China in many practical ways. For instance, you know, as uh, Europe uh, continues to reduce uh, its dependency on oil and gas supplies from Russia, uh, China will uh, become even more important uh, destination for uh, you know, hydrocarbon uh, resources of Russia through you know, power of Siberia uh, 1 and 2 and other, other, other means. Uh, so I think uh, even in geopolitical terms, uh, the dependence uh, on, on China uh, will increase. Uh, Russia is losing ground in Central Asia. Uh, many Central Asian uh, republics are not very comfortable about uh, Putin's policy of, you know, of, you know, sort of uh, uh, claiming to, to intervene uh, to protect interest of Russian-speaking uh, populations, uh, uh, including in Ukraine, uh, Kazakhstan, others have large, uh, you know, Russian-speaking populations. So there is uh, a degree of discomfort. So, to what extent uh, uh, this evolving uh, uh, Sino-Russian, uh, uh, you know, nexus, if one may call it? Uh, will impact India remains to be seen. Uh, Russia also uh, values its relationship with India, so it it's unlikely to do anything in a hurry uh, that will you know negatively impact our interests. Uh, coming to you know uh, working together with uh, China and Russia in bilateral uh, arrangements, uh, these as I mentioned earlier, you know SU and BRICS, these are relatively you no know, sort of. Uh, uh, limited organizations. So what we can achieve in those organizations, including during our chairmanship of SEO in 2023, uh, will be somewhat uh, modest. Uh, coming to our balancing our relations with uh, Russia on one side and USA and other Western partners on other side, I think it's going to become more and more challenging. Uh, we should not be complacent in this regard. So far, uh, uh, our Western partners have accommodated uh, our you know, interests vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia, but one can see a growing degree of impatience in that regard. And as uh, Professor Chinoy mentioned, you know, there are some pressure points which are being activated. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, uh, sale of equipment to Pakistan for uh, upgradation of F-16 aircraft or visit of uh, U.S. ambassador to, to Pakistan-occupied Kashmir and calling it Ajaj Jammu and Kashmir. I will not read too much into these developments, but these are you know, uh, some indicators that we shouldn't be unmindful of. So my point is that uh, at some point of time, I think uh, uh, we'll have to take a call. What is our primary challenge? And I have no doubt about the fact that our primary strategic challenge is China. So our policies will have to be to be you know, developed accordingly so that we can acquire wherewithal both through internal balancing and external balancing to deal with the challenge posed by China, more so against the background of growing asymmetry between India and China. And there, uh, our partnership with USA and other Western countries becomes very important. So we'll have to bear that in mind. Uh, coming to your point about uh, Taiwan, you know, after uh, uh, Russian uh, special military operations, 
uh, or invasion of uh, Ukraine, uh, you know, there has been much debate on uh, China will take recourse to uh, military action against Taiwan. My own assessment is that uh, China is today not really prepared to to undertake a major kinetic action against Taiwan. Uh, that's something which will happen. China is acquiring uh, uh, capabilities to undertake that. That can be not too distant a future, but this is not something which is uh, uh, around the corner. In fact, uh, if anything, uh, lessons learned from uh, Russian uh, actions in Ukraine and kind of difficulties Russia has faced uh, will to some way uh, push the timeline for any Chinese action, military action against Taiwan. And we'll also see further upgradation of China's efforts to modernize uh, its military forces. You know, it's already set uh, the timeline of 2027 for achieving modernization of PLA. So there'll be greater effort. Uh, we'll see greater hardwiring of you know, supply chains uh, to reduce uh, risk of uh, uh, sanctions by West against China, the way you know West acted against Russia. So we'll see several you know remedial measures by China to prepare for such a contingency. Uh, but uh, uh, something untoward happening in terms of major military operation by China against Taiwan in near future, uh, I do not see that on the horizon. But China is establishing a new normal in terms of its military activities in Taiwan Strait uh, post uh, Nancy Pelosi's visit. Uh, so it has become more aggressive, it's crossing the median line in uh, Taiwan Strait uh, more frequently. It has conducted a virtual dress rehearsal for a blockade against Taiwan. So one can see uh, pressure against Taiwan uh, mounting. So that will continue. Thank you so much, Professor Chinoy and Ambassador Kanta for this uh, edition of uh, Parley and uh, thank you both that when we hope that we will continue to uh, engage with both of you on these interesting debates as the war in Ukraine rolls on uh, with no end in sight.